Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. You guys, season six, episode one This one took me back in a serious way, Julie. I loved this episode. It was one of those times where I cannot believe the family I'm watching on my screen is the same family we know as the Kardashians today. You know, in some ways there are so many similarities, but in some ways it is a completely different world. I mean, you know what line really got me in this episode that like showcased the comparison more than anything else? When Chloe (laughs) says about Lamar. No, when Chris says, and we have that meeting with Sears about the Kardashian collection. Yes, and don't you remember the Kardashian collection at Sears, not to be confused with their makeup line, Chroma Beauty? (laughs) Where'd you pull that out of? What do you mean? I had those eyeliners. I was the first one at Ulta when that shit came out. I'm actually crying. The way that I feel about Sears Kardashian collection, like the way that it entered my brain is the exact same way that I feel about (laughs) Kendall and Kylie having that book that they wrote. Right. (laughs) It's like some of these things, I understand they were necessary stepping stones to get to where they are today and you can't knock it, but holy shit. I mean, first of all, I need to say, and if you guys watch this episode, you totally understand what I mean. We as a collective whole block out the Chris Humphreys period more than I think we like to admit because when the episode opened with him and Kim at Serafina in New York City, it took my breath away. No, Em, I forgot. Like, I I swear to you, I just completely forgot. My whole memory of Chris Humphreys is the wedding special and after, and Bora Bora, of course. The way that Kim was in this episode and like how in love with him she seemingly was, I don't have a recollection of that. I blocked it out. Well, I think so often when we reflect on their relationship, we talk about it from the lens of, you know what? We understand how Kim got to where she got. She was feeling really pressured by one, where her sisters were at, and two, the timeline she kind of had decided in her head. So she chose Chris Humphreys and that's how she got swooped into all of this. Where yes, that did exist, but also there was a part of Kim that either liked him or really made herself believe she liked him. And that's the part that I completely forget about. I know because when we're talking about it, it's almost like she picked him out of a lineup at random just to have a husband. And I think that that's the way that my memory has kind of remembered the series of events that took place. And then I watched this episode and I was like, oh, there was a period of time where like she was in love with him. Like she was really enthralled by him. She was watching his basketball game in her free time without him being anywhere around or anybody to hold her accountable for watching or not. Like that is not the Kim that we know. No, not in the slightest. And also what's so interesting, and we know this about her, she typically goes for shorter guys. And so various times throughout the episode, Chloe or Courtney, whoever would make comments about how this is so off-brand for Kim. You know, she's the last one to be a quote NBA wife. That was not at all anything she had thought for herself for many reasons, but specifically because she didn't like tall guys. You know what moment in this episode I was like, 
this was never going to work. Mm. And she is completely changing herself to be with him. Tell me. When he burps in her face at Serafina, and then I'm like so thrown off. I'm like, I cannot believe that Chris Humphreys just burped in Kim Kardashian's face when she went in for a kiss. And then the plot twist of all plot twists, she does it back to him. I so understand the reaction you had to that moment because I did too. I was so thrown off because that is the opposite of anything we know Kim to be. Like that's the exact type of thing that she would see Chloe and Lamar do to one another and be so grossed out by it. Yet, I think she was trying to appeal to this side of Chris that was a little bit more aggressively playful than she liked. Right, and oh, oh my God, like I, I can't wait to get into every single thing here because I'm telling you, this episode specifically, I think was a gap in my memory. So it opens with them at Serafina in the city and Kim is in her confessional saying, Chris and I are now officially boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm back and forth from New York because Chris plays for the Nets. We just unexpectedly really fell for each other and things are going really, really good. And they're talking about how they first met and Chris is saying that when Kim's friend Carla tried to set them up, word got back to her that Chris didn't say yes at first. And he was like, I kind of felt like you were the predator and I was the prey, meaning like you were wanting me. She was like, first of all, that's not at all how it went down. You never turned me down. And all of your friends told me that you called them so fast to say that the setup was even a possibility. And they're kind of just going back and forth about it. But it's so interesting because even that interaction is so different if you look into the future, her and Kanye, where there was no question there about who pursued who. You know, Kanye, I think, made her feel so desired and he was so overt in her in his desire for her. And I think that's something that Kim really responded to, perhaps an overcorrection, because I I don't feel she ever got that full romance from Chris. He had a far more like aggressively playful approach that is so not on brand with what Kim seems to like. Right. And I think that Kim thought that she liked that at the time. Like she thought she liked the fact that he brought out this playful side of her. What was also interesting about their relationship and their dynamic is that Kim was kind of channeling like a Chloe you know, approach to a relationship where all of her free time was her spending it going back and forth to New York. It wasn't like this situation where you were clearly seeing both of them putting in the same amount of effort to fly back and forth. It was like every free opportunity Kim had, she made it a point to go back to New York. Well, that was the reality of dating an NBA player, you know? Right. Of course. It's just so interesting because I feel like the Kim we know now would be like, it's not my fault that your schedule interferes with you coming to see me. Right. And she says in her confessional, you know, it's really hard to have a long distance relationship, but if you're committed to each other, you'll make it work. She's like, it's unfortunately, it doesn't leave me a lot of time to spend with my family and everyone is kind of off doing their own thing. And that's one of the themes of the episode that we'll get into. Everyone's feeling like family time is lacking, both because of Chris's business first mindset, but also because of Kim's long distance relationship. And some of this stuff is a little bit contrived, but generally speaking, the one part of this that did not feel fake at all to me was really the excitement that Kim had about this relationship. And I even talking about it too right now, having just watched it, I'm still so thrown off because the way she talks about Chris Humphreys now, it's with such disgust is the word that I'm going to use and like such a disbelief that she was ever in that situation. So to know that about her and to know that she has been thinking about him in that way for the last 10 or so years to then watch this, it'll throw your day off. I mean, I know you guys must've felt the same way we did if you watched this. Oh, completely. I was trying to remember as as I was watching this, where I was like, and I think this episode, it was a little too soon to tell because you really didn't get that much of a vibe of him. But I was trying to think back to this time if it was like so obvious that she was making the worst decision of her life. Well, what's interesting is that at this moment in time, there's a whole conflict that arises within this episode between Kim and Chloe because Kim feels like Chloe isn't really making an effort to get to know Chris in the way that she would like her to. And Chloe's saying, you know, I put my heart into all of your relationships. And then when they inevitably fail, I have this whole deep emotional connection that no longer exists, which is like kind of an unfair approach because I think, as Kim points out, Chloe wanted the entire family to do that with Lamar after she knew him for a month. But I I can't lie to you and say that I don't think it was just the idea of Kim entering another serious relationship relatively fast. I think Chloe had a sense that something wasn't entirely right here. That's what I think too. And that's what I was thinking about throughout the episode. And because it, it was more than what Chloe was describing. Like I understand this, this thing from Chloe of, you know, Kim has this reputation 
especially amongst the sisters, as being like the hopeless romantic. Like she always has a boyfriend. She's always in love. She always has somebody. And Chloe is not somebody aside from Lamar who really had that. And her approach to Kim is very much like she would get emotionally invested in her relationships because Chloe kind of didn't have that, you know, to fall back on on her end. And so I understood what Chloe was saying in terms of like, I don't want to do this again where I keep getting emotionally invested in your relationships and then you guys break up. But it was just a little too quick for her to decide that without there being something clearly off in the back of her mind. Well, I think in this conversation was so telling when they're at Chris's house and it's Kim, Chloe, and Courtney, and they're kind of just having a general discussion. And Kim asks Chloe if she's going to do K names for her kids with Lamar. And Chloe's like, well, I think that we're going to do L names for the boys. And Kim is saying that she wants to call dibs on some of the K names if she marries Chris. And Courtney and Chloe are so taken aback by her saying that because they just started dating. They're confused why marriage is even a topic of discussion. And Chloe and Courtney are like, wait, do you talk about marriage? And she's like, yeah. They're like, what do you mean? What do you talk about? She's like, well, we're going to get married one day and have little babies. And they get sidetracked with that conversation because Chris comes in, whatever. But you can tell that, and I think this is what Courtney and Chloe were picking up on, Kim is talking about this idea for the future, not really anything to do with him. He is just the insertion to make that plan happen. Like They know that it's physically impossible for her to know him deep enough to know that that's what she wants. It's so clearly that she had this trajectory in her mind and he kind of just fits the bill. Exactly. Can I ask you a question that's completely off topic? Yeah. Do you think that Chloe hasn't shared the baby name because it's another T name? Oh, that's interesting. Because the her saying that she would name the boys L names made you think that she would do all T names for her kids. Very possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thought process that I had. I mean, by the way, Kylie hasn't shared the name either. No, I trust me, I know. I, I honestly don't care. Like more more power to you. Keep it private. It's just it's just like a, a little weird at this point, no? It's very strange. It's very, very weird. I will not pretend for one second that this whole thing isn't like very off. Just because, you know, we're talking about the family that shares literally everything and it feels that a a baby's name in the scheme of things would be so benign, but there must be a reason and they're sticking to it. Maybe it's Chloe, hypothetical, who knows? Maybe it's Chloe that doesn't want to and Kylie is to, to soften the blow and make Chloe not feel as out of the norm. She's doing it almost like in support. I have no idea. I'm just trying to grasp at straws to think of a reason. You want to know the best example of how tight the Kardashian camp is and how closed mouth their inner circle is? Those names have not gotten out. I know. And that's why they keep it so small. And that's why also when you hear a quote said from a source, like that is directly planted. Like they want you to know that because no source is clearly speaking out without their permission. You think Jonathan Shevin knows the name of the baby? He must. How secret can you keep that? So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, 
there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. In terms of the episode, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place and we'll get into the storyline about Chris being focused on the business because there were parts of that that you can extract and actually find some really interesting comparisons to today. But going off the Chris and Kim thing, when Chloe and Courtney are alone at Chloe's house and they're talking about the situation, kind of how bizarre they think it is that Kim is even discussing baby names and marriage with this guy that she just met. Chloe says, you know, every boyfriend she's ever had, I become the closest with all of them because I'm the nicer one out of you and I. Courtney's like, totally. And Chloe says, so what's the point of going through that whole emotional journey? I just can't keep doing this because it drives me insane. And Courtney basically says to her, don't be mean, just don't be overly nice, which is so funny hearing Courtney say that because to her, that kind of apathetic approach to a situation comes so naturally and it comes so unnaturally to Chloe that it makes so much sense that Chloe's the one constantly in this situation. You can't teach that level of apathy. No. And if anyone could, it would be Courtney doing a masterclass. I was just going to say, talk about a masterclass that I would watch. I would love someone who's not that familiar with the show to watch this episode and a few episodes maybe from this season, and then watch a few episodes from the most recent season and say to them, when you're watching these, I only want you to zone in on the dynamics between Kim, Courtney, and Chloe and tell me after how they've changed. Because it is so obvious, even to someone that has no background. It's actually jarring when you watch it here. It is so clearly Courtney and Chloe kind of on a team together. And I'm I'm constantly reminded of that in a, like just a, a kind of intense way. One of my favorite parts of this episode is that the dynamic between Chloe and Courtney was just so old school Kardashians. I felt genuinely upset watching this to see what their relationship has kind of progressed to. And I know so much of it is just the fact that they grew up. They were young here. Like they were immature. They were acting like idiots throughout this episode. But, it, and it's not that they're not close anymore. Like they they obviously still have this very close relationship. They're sisters. They love each other. But like the old Chloe and Courtney was just another level. Like we put up a tweet recently of them that was like, they were so powerful together and they were. It's true. And it's not something that you can replicate. That being said, I think that Kim and Chloe are a very powerful duo and some can make the argument that they're even more powerful. But at this particular time in their lives, where Chloe and Courtney were both at, together they were unstoppable. And it was such a strong bond. If you would have asked me watching that show if that would have ever fully changed, the reason I would have said no isn't because I don't have an understanding that sibling relationships ebb and flow and things you know, can evolve, but it's because I always felt that Kim at the end of the day was the most focused on herself more than anything, not in a negative way. It was just a defining personality trait. And somehow it's, it's really shifted. It's, it's fascinating. I would love to talk to them in like a family therapy setting. Like I would love to get their most honest, honest reaction because, you know, they talk about it now in a way where they acknowledge the fact that this is the case. Like they are not trying to lie their way out of what their sibling relationship has evolved into. I think we saw that really on display during the Chloe and Courtney lie detector test. But I would love to hear them be like super honest. Like what is the status of your relationship now? How do you think it got that way? Like what are your feelings on the fact that it got that way? It's just, it's a, it's night and day. It's a different world now. It is. And I, I can't help but feel that Courtney's perspective on it, if you asked her pre-Travis and post-Travis, because it's not just like Travis came in the picture and then all of a sudden Kim and Chloe started to get closer. That had been in the works even pre-Travis. But I do think that Courtney's feelings on it are probably significantly less strong 
knowing that she has Travis because I genuinely think that takes up so much of her emotional energy in like a in a positive way. I don't mean that in a bad way at all, but I really think that it, it allows her to be significantly more unbothered by it all. It's also something that you can tell Courtney would never admit to. But also like the thing with the dynamic between the three of them that's very interesting is that the reason that it works in the twosomes that it works in is like, it's like, it's defined by two people ganging up on one person. So like when Courtney and Chloe were so close, part of that bond was the fact that they bonded over ganging up on Kim. They were making fun of Kim. She was the butt of all of their jokes. And what really switched is that it went from them ganging up on Kim to them ganging up on Courtney. I know. And that's kind of always what happens in a three-person situation. But the, the real root of it is that if you look at these older seasons, the way in which Chloe and Courtney operated was so much more similar to one another than to how either of them did compared to Kim. And now there is such a stark contrast between the way Chloe and Kim operate and then the way that Courtney operates. And I actually think that it's not even a difference in terms of their relationship or their, I would call it a friendship with one another. I think that it's, they have such a different approach to their lives and the way that they lead their lives. And that has caused a natural separation. I wonder if there was a period of time that we didn't get to see where it was Kim and Courtney against Chloe. I'm sure at one time that was the case. It's just from my memory, and I'm sure that could change as we watch the rest of these 14 seasons plus the spinoffs. I don't remember that ever being a defining storyline in terms of one of the dynamics that were highlighted. Do you? No, definitely not. And I feel like if it did happen, it lasted an episode. It was never really a phase. You know what I was just thinking about also? When I think about the way that their relationship with Courtney has changed, what scene stands out the most to me? The scene where Chloe and Kim are at Chloe's house and Courtney walks in. It's like in the later seasons and she's making fun of Chloe's outdoor furniture. She's like, black. She's like, why would you ever do black? That's disgusting. You're disgusting. And Kim and Chloe are sitting there. They're like, and you, you come here and you wonder why we don't want to hang out with you. And I was like, this is the biggest representation of the way that their relationship has progressed. Like they hit a point in those seasons where it wasn't just like Courtney didn't want to work or they were at odds over the business or their relationship was kind of shifting. It was like for a very long period of time there, they had like genuine issues with each other. 1000%. But what's so interesting is that it kind of goes into the point that I was just saying, because the situation that you're outlining in terms of that scene was so much more representative of kind of Courtney's general mood and the way that they felt her energy was when they were around her and they didn't really vibe with that. Whereas now, I think that Courtney's in such a happy place. I don't think she has that same kind of negativity that she portrayed in some of those seasons. I genuinely think it has shifted so much more into we just lead our lives in totally different ways. Not to say that didn't start back then, but I think back then it was so much more, they didn't appreciate her kind of negativity. Whereas now I have to imagine Courtney has shifted into far more positivity. I, I think that it's just about like, they have a little bit of an issue logistically with how she operates in terms of that not vibing with them. That's always been my read in recent years. I think they also never really solved their shit. Like, I think that the period of time that we're referring to now where they were really having their issues with Courtney and Courtney was really not nice to them, but also Courtney was probably feeling very hurt by them and, and kind of giving that in return. I don't think they ever solved that. And so I think the status of their relationship now is the fact that all of that went completely unresolved. And if I had to really guess what happened in their relationship is that when Chloe was younger. I think her and Courtney had more things to bond over because they just had fun together. Like their entire life was just revolved around fucking around together and having as much fun as possible. And then I think that probably around the time of everything happening with Lamar, I think Chloe felt like, okay, it's time to really get serious. Like I don't want to do this anymore and probably shifted to being a little bit more like Kim. And I think Courtney probably felt betrayed by that shift. And I think that's when things really changed. And I think that her becoming more like Kim was for Courtney, like, this is my worst nightmare. Yes, I think that that completely took place. But it's that coupled with the fact that Courtney was really unhappy for some years there, understandably so. The situation with Scott was unbearable. She had no stability in her mind. And I know at the time, I think we as the audience who 
you know, just wanted Scott and Courtney together. We were feeling frustrated that she wouldn't just give in, which in retrospect was completely incorrect. And she clearly knew or her higher self knew that that was not what was meant for her. And so like, I totally support her in doing that. And I do feel bad for wishing that she would kind of give into something because that was clearly not right. But I think that it was also, she became genuinely so unhappy with her reality and that played a role as well. It, it was a combination of a million things. It is one of the most fascinating familial dynamics we have ever had access to in all of Hollywood because it is one of the most transparent looks that we've gotten. I know some people will say that's bullshit because they don't think the show is transparent. Even if you want to say half this stuff is bullshit, you can extract a lot of factual anecdotes. It's also interesting because while it's pretty well acknowledged, this shift and this change in relationship, I would still consider it like one of life's great mysteries as to what happened. Well, it's because they've always followed in Chris's footsteps, which is one of her most important things is not only that they prioritize family, but that they also prioritize in terms of what they're putting out to the public, this unbreakable and like impenetrable familial bond. So yeah, we get some fights. We get some looks at that. They'll maybe acknowledge the dynamic shift, but I don't think they would ever acknowledge it in a way where it really clues us into how dramatic it could have possibly gotten. Oh, totally. And also a really good transition into what this episode is also about in terms of Chris and the familial stuff. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors and everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And okay, we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. Before we get into that storyline you just mentioned about Chris kind of prioritizing business and the family growing really frustrated with that, I just want to close the chapter on the Chris Humphreys of it all as it applies to Kim and Chloe and their relationship. By the way, Chris and Chris, like that was reason enough it wasn't going to work. You cannot have a husband that has the same first name as your mom. And by the way, spelled the same. There is no world in which that was ever going to fly for good. Why don't we talk about that enough? Like, how the fuck did she find somebody that was also spelled K-R-I-S? Imagine how, how confusing that would have been for us if this stayed a consistent thing and we had a podcast about it. I, I forgot about it. Okay, so there's a scene where they're at Kim's house and Chloe comes over and she's like, it's so funny seeing you watch basketball and stuff. You used to cringe at the sight of a basketball player, which is what I was saying earlier because Kim was never into tall guys, which is the number one thing I can't relate to her about. Like, how? <laughs> You know what's funny about it is like, I deeply can't relate. And it's not even like a thing for me where it is for you, where you're like specifically looking for someone who's tall. Like I can come in a little bit shorter than you can. I just, I don't know anybody who's turned off by tall. No, it exists. The whole short king thing, I genuinely do not believe is just 
people trying to make guys that are short feel better about it. I genuinely think it is a deep preference for some people and to each their own. Like I am not knocking it. It is totally some people's thing. I just love looking up to a guy. But is the short king thing, and here's here's what I um I get confused about with this. Is the short king thing where it's like, okay, I met this guy and he's short, but it works because he's a short king. Like, or is it like I am seeking out somebody who's short? I'm telling you, I think it is both. I, there are some people who genuinely prefer a shorter guy. They they're thrown off by a huge height difference. And to that, I say, thank God, because that's what makes the world go round. Imagine if everyone was out here looking for a 6'2 guy, that would not be a good day for us. No, no, no. Okay, so Kim is saying that she, Chloe, Lamar, and Chris should all go to Australia over the summer. And Chloe's like, you know, I feel kind of weird about going out of the country with someone I don't know, (laughs) which is a hilarious and bizarre response. And Kim's like, okay, but we should all go on a double date. And she's like, how are we supposed to do that if Chris lives in New York? And Kim is saying in her confessional, you know, it's kind of hard bringing someone new into the family. It's a whole process, but Chris is so special to me and I want everyone to just love him like I do. And I know that if Chloe met Chris, she would love him. She's like, I don't understand why she's being so hard-headed about it. And Chloe then says to her, you know, I have to go. Hopefully if you're still with Chris in a couple of months, we can double date. And Kim says that won't be an issue. So we then fast forward to Kim and Chloe at Chloe's house and Kim is looking at the bookshelf and she notices that there are pictures of Kim and her exes, meaning Reggie and Miles Austin. And Chloe's like, yeah, I mean, when you become serious with Chris, then I'll swap them out. And Kim's like, it's so different than any other relationship I've ever been in. I don't understand why you're not believing me. And Chloe again gives the line I said earlier about how she feels she can't emotionally invest in someone that she may not end up with. And Kim says, which I think is such a valid point, you were the one that met Lamar and expected the entire family to just be okay with it in 10 days. And Chloe then says, the difference between me and you is I've never declared I'm in love or ever wanted to get married before. And Kim says, I think out of all people, my sister should be supportive of me and happy that I'm in a normal, healthy, fun, happy relationship. Chloe's like, I'm happy for you, but I can't force it. Which that right there is kind of the crux of the issue in that Chloe doesn't trust Kim's read on the situation because she knows how badly she wants marriage and she knows how badly she wants this life. Yeah, I wonder if if they were as in tune to that at the time. Like, I wonder if they were really like, okay, we know what's going on with Kim here. I think they had to have been. I don't know if it was to the extent that we think about it now as though. No, probably not. Which also, and this isn't the same as it is now because I think this has only increased as the empire has kind of grown. But if you were to ask any of them now, with the exception of Chris, who would you trust to kind of lead the family? Who would you trust to make the best decisions? Who would you trust to feel that they have their finger on the pulse? I think it would be a unanimous Kim. And at the time, not to say that that wasn't the case, but Kim hadn't cemented herself in that role yet. So I don't think they necessarily trusted Kim's judgment in the way that they would maybe trust it now. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because Kim's judgment now is like the kind of situation where even if it was slightly off, she's built up enough credit where you don't really question it. And then it's like only after the fact that you're like, oh, why do we trust her in that? Whereas at this time, it was very much like Kim has the work ethic. Kim is clearly the star of the family, but it's not like she is 100% right, best judgment, knows exactly what she's doing, fully confident in every single thing that she's doing every decision that she's made. You're right. It wasn't like that. But I will say also, it's not like they entirely viewed Chris that way either. Like, you know, they trusted Chris to handle their business. They trusted Chris to be their momager. I think that they really trusted the vision she had, even if they gave her a hard time. But I don't think that they had that same level of respect for her and that same understanding of her business sense and the same pride that they feel for her being their mother as they do now. No, and I also understand that we're kind of unfairly conflating the two because there is a very big difference between one's judgment in personal situations versus one's judgment in professional situations. But there is still an underlying base level of trust in one's judgment that it didn't exist for Kim then nearly as it does now. And you're right. In terms of Chris, which is a theme that we saw in this episode that we'll get into, they definitely did not have that same respect for her. But also, personally, I think that they could see, or maybe they weren't aware of it, but now they can see Chris is really her happiest and she's living her truth in a way that I don't think she was fully living her happiest 
life back then, which is like complicated because part of it comes with what she has now and what she's worked for. But I think personally, specifically in her relationship with Corey, like this is exactly what she wants to be doing and it doesn't seem like a push. Whereas I think with Caitlin for a lot of years there, it didn't feel maybe as natural as it once did. Okay. I have a lot of things to say here. First of all, I have to go back to the Kim thing because we would obviously be remiss to not mention Kanye in the discussion of Kim's judgment. And it's not to say that Kim's judgment was off the entire time of the Kanye relationship, but it clearly hit a certain point where they were still together, where the rest of the family had to be questioning Kim's judgment. And so it's really interesting to say, even though I know I made the point that like Kim has built up enough stock where even if she did something that was slightly questionable or where people were questioning it, they would almost hold back because that's not the Kim they know. They would never question Kim's judgment. And so it's just interesting that that is my view of Kim and that is my view of the way the family views Kim. But also there's this like glaring thing that is the Kanye of it all that kind of is like, it prevents you from fully having that thought process, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, but I also think that we are thinking of that with our current day knowledge, not with when she initially entered the relationship. The Kanye then, I'm not saying he didn't exhibit signs of someone who didn't treat people the kindest, but it was a very different situation than it is current day. I mean, really drastically. And so I, here's what I think in terms of what you said about her, maybe staying in it longer and the rest of the family realizing something was seriously off. I think at that point, Kim didn't not realize what was going on. I think she was figuring out how she was going to go about getting out of it. So it's, it's fuck. This is such a hard thing to talk about eloquently. And I know that we understand what each other is saying, but I don't know if it's going to translate, you know? I know. And here's the other thing that we always, always forget about. Kim and Kanye renewed their vows in that last season of Kardashians. You said that to me when we were walking like two weeks ago and I f- had forgotten about it. And even just again, that you just said it, I forgot about it because that it feels like such another life. It does, and it feels like for such a long time, or may, what may have not been the last season of Kardashians, it may have been the second to last season of Came Up the Kardashians, whatever it was, it was it was way more recent than our memory would have us believe. And what's so interesting about it is that I think that our view of their relationship, especially kind of for protecting our view of Kim, is like, this has not been working for a while. Kim was really pushing hard to make this work for the sake of the kids, but it's been years and she's known that this wasn't the case. And yet that vow renewal was far more recent than you would expect. It was, and I don't want to say at the height of everything that was happening, but like right up into the line of it. I think in some ways that was probably a Hail Mary, you know? Of course, of course, but it's still... Well, but it's a, it's it's a different it's a different conversation once the kids are involved. I really feel that way. It's a completely different conversation than it was, you know, earlier on. I this is there's so much here to try to even get into it in, in an effective way. But like I I so hear you. I want you to know I hear you. I know exactly what you're saying. I know it's like frustrating to not be able to put it into words, but I I know that you know, and I feel like if you're following the Kim and Kanye saga in the way that like most Kardashian fans have, you also understand it. Yeah, yeah. But I also will say that in the last year, in the last six months even, I think that Kim's perspective has probably been even more sharpened and even more evolved because I think, you know, post-Kanye or immediately post-Kanye, she was still processing all of that and she still on some level is, but she had to get a little bit more out of it to really see clearly. Then she has her first experience dating. I'm sure that opened her eyes, not romantically, but in so many other ways, it got her in touch with herself in a different way. You know, like I think that the version of Kim we are seeing current day, of course, is the most evolved because she's the oldest she's ever been as we all are every day that passes. But I also think she's had so many experiences that she hadn't had in so long. I know. It's yeah. it's the first time in a very long time that it's true independence. I always think about, and we can move on 
from this this conversation a second because I know we eventually start to go in circles with it. But I do always think about the scene from the Kardashians where Kim says to the family, like, I'm so sorry for the way that Kanye treated you and I'll never allow anybody else to do that to you again. And that scene, it, it really caught me off guard to hear her say that, to hear her say that like she allowed a certain behavior from Kanye towards her family that she deeply regrets and knows how wrong it was. Like, I, I, I know that the way that Kanye is was not just limited to certain people. It clearly extended into the family. But to hear Kim say it to the rest of the family, I, I don't know. That really, it, it still catches me off guard when I think about it. I know. It's like how they say, you know, that that trend right now, like moments that altered my brain chemistry. That's one of the, I would say, the Kardashian moments that altered my brain chemistry for sure. I think in some ways we just look at Kim as having it so all together and, you know, someone like Kim would never allow that to happen. And then you realize she is capable of being subject to that situation and really being deeply involved in something that looking back, she didn't feel good about. Like it can happen to her just like it can happen to anyone. Oh, absolutely. The last thing about this before we get into the second plot line is after Chloe and Kim make up and they have the whole conversation saying, you know, they don't want to fight and Chloe admits she wouldn't want someone doing this to her when she had first met Lamar, they are bonding over the fact that they're both dating men in the NBA. And Kim makes a comment about being a basketball wife. And Chloe's like, I'm not a basketball wife. He's a reality star husband. Talk about a win for feminism. I was thinking that as well. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowlin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowlin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The other plot line here is really the family's growing frustration with Chris and feeling that she's so business-minded to the point where it's taking away from her prioritizing family in the way that she used to. And this reaches ahead when she sets up this business meeting for Courtney and Chloe and they bail on it as a way to prove a point to her. She comes back and she is fucking livid. Like not only does she feel that they wasted her time. She feels they wasted the, the people's time. She's embarrassed on their behalf, on her behalf. Like you can imagine the way that Chris reacted to this whole thing. And Chloe and Courtney maintain the fact that they were totally right. They don't see a problem with it. They think that it was a wake up call for Chris to realize that she's kind of lost the plot in terms of being so business focused. And Courtney's response to all of this is saying to her, you know, first of all, all you care about is money, which Chris says, that's not all I care about. I care about your future and building something for you guys so that when you're my age, you don't have to work this hard. When was the last time you think that I've had a day off? And they really kind of get into it. And Chris eventually storms off. And even after she leaves, Courtney and Chloe are like, you know what? She just doesn't get it. And I'm watching this now in 2023, seeing the billion dollar empire that they have built and she has 
led them to build. And I'm thinking, no, you guys just don't get it. Like if this is the worst thing, if for these few years, Chris was a little bit too business focused while still being a very attentive mother and grandmother, like you guys are the ones losing the plot because how thankful are they now that she did what she did and that they're, she's right when they're her age, like that's not even going to be a factor. They could retire now, no problem. The thing here is that they're both right and they're both wrong. Chloe and Courtney desiring more family time and family time that isn't always business centric is, they're not wrong for that. Like Courtney being upset that she put together this whole game night and Chris didn't find the importance in it. And therefore everybody else in the family who follows Chris's lead didn't find the importance in it either. Courtney's allowed to be upset by that. Like it was so valid what they were saying. They obviously went about it in a completely incorrect way. But their general message, I think, was something that had they explained it better, Chris could have probably gotten behind without being taught such an extreme lesson. The other thing is that exactly what I was kind of saying before, where they didn't respect Chris as the businesswoman in the way that they do now, that was what was on full display here. No, and they couldn't fully respect the businesswoman that she was because they didn't understand the vision that she had for them. And honestly, on some level, she didn't even understand the vision that she had. Chris knew there was more for them than what was happening at the time. She could have never anticipated it would have turned into this. But in order for them to really get why she was working this hard, they had to see that she was trying to set them up for life in a serious way. The way that she has set them up for life now is, I think, un out of the realm of anything they could have ever imagined or desired. And Chris too. I mean, I think this is like otherworldly, but it, it just goes to show you that not to say that they were closed-minded. I think that they were really grateful for the opportunities they had. They saw the traction that the show was getting, that they were getting as individual celebrities, as reality stars, as people that were hired for endorsements, as quote influencers. But they they didn't get what Chris was working towards. And the funny part about all of this is that she got it, but even she didn't fully get it, you know? Oh, totally. And I actually have to say, going back to the conversation about dynamics also, there's no dynamic that has changed more than all of the kids and their relationship with Chris. And Chris and her relationship with the family and the business and, and all of it, because their feeling towards Chris and the putting business before family was very valid. Chris, in this current iteration of life, and I think once she really became a grandmother, was able to maybe not put family before business, but at least consider them very equal. And I think that the kids were so mean to her at a certain point. Like, I think the kids really recognized the way that she was putting business before family and reacted to that. I think that they were probably a little bit mean to her before they, you know, had that sense about her. But the way that they treat Chris now is a complete 180 from the way they used to. It's 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 not even... It's like an entirely different relationship. Yeah, and there's so many things that factor into that, obviously. One, the aging process, them becoming parents themselves, seeing how difficult of a job it is to be a mother, all of that. But also, if you want to look at it from the business angle, I mean, she was objectively right. The thing that she was working towards that she knew was bigger than them, she was correct about. And so they have nothing to do other than have full gratitude for her and her vision and her work ethic and for pushing them at times when they didn't understand why, maybe why she was pushing so hard. You know, like there's, there's no scenario when they can look at the life that they are currently living, even with sometimes the toxicities that come from fame and not say, you know what? Our mom was a little intense at times, but goddamn, she was right. Like they are set for life. Generations and generations and generations are set for life forever but by what Kris Jenner created. And I know they all played a role in it, but without Chris's guidance, it would have never, ever happened. And the only reason that even Kim can be looked at as now kind of the person that would take that place is because of what she learned from Chris. They learned everything they know from Chris. Not to say, of course, not things from Robert and from Caitlin. Yes, but like she's really the one that made it happen. And I think that their gratitude now comes way above any annoyances that they previously had. Oh, absolutely. And I also think that a huge shift in their relationship was after everything happened with Caitlin. I think that they felt immensely protective over their mother. And I think that there was a switch there from like, uh, we are kind of bullying her to like, we now have to step in as her number one protector. 
Yeah, and that was a role that they took really seriously. I mean, right. talk about those episodes, which will be so interesting when we get into. You know, they jumped into like mom mode. <laughs> you know what's crazy about those is they're not so far away. Like we're on season six right now, and I think all of this starts to unfold around season 10, if I remember correctly. No, I know. There's so much. We also have the, the I Am Kate special. I mean, there's a lot there. I cannot wait to continue to get into everything. This is like being able to go back and rewatch these and analyze them with what we know now is like a gift I couldn't have even known to ask for at the time. No, it, it really is. The other thing about this episode, which is not worth getting into a discussion about because it's so minor and there are so many episodes where this is really centered, but that one scene where Courtney and Scott are planning the game night and you really get to see kind of their relationship on display and Scott talking about how for so long he wanted marriage and now he's scaling back from that and he realizes that isn't the end all be all. And just, you know, hearing them say doll to one another, like it, it takes you back. I mean, and also Scott hits a rough patch this season. I, I was watching the scenes for the season and I kind of forgot about this, but he does. He goes back into his drinking habits and, and it's a little rough there, but at this point, very early on in the season, like Scott's still the best version of himself and he's really excited about being with the family and he's as excited for this idea of game night as Courtney is. He says, let's have everybody over here. I'll go out, I'll get any game that you want, anything that you can think of, I'll get it. When they don't show up to game night, he shares in that same frustration that the rest of them have. And so it'll be really interesting to see how the season progresses and to watch him go from being in this amazing place to falling back into what he was a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, which, you know, directly impacts him and Courtney's relationship and the safety that they both feel in it. Like, there's so much there. And I'm sure that we will have many episodes where that is the the center of the discussion. But it's fun. We haven't done one of these in a little while. I forget how much fun it is. I know. We clearly brought like a very excited to analyze energy to this episode. I I texted you because I watched it first. I texted you two minutes in. I was like, you were going to lose your mind. When it opened with fucking Chris and Kim at Serafina, when you and I get that exact meal I'll, I'll tell you one thing i will fuck up a white truffle pizza from Serafina on an edible and seeing kim and chris there was doing something to me amen <laughs> okay well we love you guys thank you for listening thank you for letting us do this isabel and i will be back for bravo and then julie and i will see you next week Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.